Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. Here are your hosts, Frank Vitovich and Greg Flamont. Alright, welcome everybody to the latest edition of Single High, the Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com. I am one of your hosts, Frank Vitovich, and as always, I am joined by the official president of the Kyle Hamilton fan club, Greg Flamong. Greg, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing good, Frank. Um, we debated whether we we're going to talk about this. I'm recently back from Las Vegas. <laughs> we, my wife and I went there for 20 hours. Um, nice. To celebrate both of our 40th birthdays, we both turned 40. I'm I turned 40 in June. She'll turn 40 in a couple of weeks. So we we went out there like a couple of kids, spent 20 hours, drank and ate, and then we ran out of gas and we came home. So uh, it was a good time. That that sounds like a weekend getaway when you're when you're in your late 30s or or now early 40s for you guys. And it sounds like uh, your your wife and I might actually have a. Our birthdays might be similarly close because in a couple of weeks I will be 39, so almost almost at the big 4-0. My wife is very excited because she's younger than I am, and she's been planning my 40th birthday party for like four years. Um, <laughs> like every time it comes up, she like giggles and is like, "I can't wait to plan your 40th." I'm like, "Why?" And she's like, "Because you're always gonna get there way earlier than me." I was like, "Okay, that's nice." <laughs> so hey, at least you get a good party out of it. That's that's true. Hey, we'll uh, we'll, we'll see, but uh, but what uh, what next summer brings in terms of what's you know what's what was possible. But um, well, man, while you were gone, Notre Dame picked up yet another four star linebacker commitment. You know, those things just grow on trees these days. Now that we got uh, Marcus Freeman uh, leading the defensive charge, but I mean, what uh, what a pickup! Fourth one, uh, Jalen Sneed is the highest ranked and. He also might be the most versatile of, uh, you know, of the of the quartet of four star linebackers that Notre Dame has now uh, has now collected in the uh, in the class of uh, 2022. Yeah, a good amount. Of, like you said, a good amount of versatility there. Uh, he's probably the most um, he could be playing all three positions. Um, and I think I think Burnham and Ziegler are kind of the same. They're similar. Um, there's a versatility aspect to them. I think. Tui Alamaka is the only one who's kind of like he's going to be the Mike, but oh my god, yeah, he you is. Know, but that's that's perfect, you know, that's fine. Um, you know, you you mentioned another four star, so I don't, I didn't like, I I I think everyone kind of has a had a sense for like the offense the last few seasons, the last few cycles has been a lot better in terms of getting higher ranked talent. Um, but I never really looked at it, which is weird because I I'm following pretty much everything Notre Dame, but I never just really considered it. And I saw a tweet from Kevin Sinclair of uh, 247, and in the last two cycles in 2020 and 2021, they only signed five combined uh, four-star defenders, and this cycle they have seven. <laughs> four at linebacker like I was I was like wow like that is I didn't know it was like that you know when people talked about Clark Lee like uh, maybe not the best recruiter it's like yeah I get I get it you know okay that makes sense to me but that's um five is not is not a lot so um well Clark Lee was a different kind of recruiter, I think, and we're we're gonna get into this probably later too. I know with with what we talked, uh, what we have on our little agenda here. But right. um, I mean, Clark Lee was kind of, he was that more like, I don't know, even as a coach, he he was more of that like cerebral type of you know type of type of guy. He didn't, he never really came across, and I'm not saying this in as like a, a criticism of Clark Lee either, but he never came across as that like rah rah guy. Um, I mean, and, you know, I mean, we're not in the locker room and, you know, I still remember, uh, you know, the, the coach that you see in the locker room, very different than maybe the coach you see, you know, in, in public, Bob, <laughs> Bob Diaco, great example of that. <laughs> you remember when the, uh, the Freddy Krueger defense video surfaced, um, what was that? I think it was, was that after the USC game maybe, or I can't remember what game that was in, in 2020 or sorry, 2012, 
when uh, you know he you know he was telling the, the his troops like that was the Freddy Krueger type defense that you know we're looking for, and it was a much more animated you know Bob Diaco than we ever saw in, in press right. conferences. And then he got really ticked off when when that video was leaked <laughs> on not even leaked was just released because yeah. he didn't know it was going to be released. But I mean, and maybe that was Clark Lee was the same way, but like. In just in in his like his aura and his persona, he always seemed like that much more like no, I'm a I'm a cerebral guy. I'm gonna lay this out to you like, um, not necessarily. And and I kind of like, you know, pitch you that way versus the 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 rah rah like get you fired up type you know type uh, you know type type recruiter. And I mean, the numbers are you know are speaking to that. And I mean, you know the. <laughs> Seven four stars is, is is pretty ridiculous, but I mean, there's mo- more possible, which is even you know even crazier. And I mean, at least I mean we're 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 looking at defense at least as of right now as though at least one more seems likely to be added. You know, in Benjamin Morrison at least, but who knows at this point, right? The way that the crystal ball and the pen has been you know going back and forth, and the way the pendulum has been swinging. In recruiting the last couple of weeks, we've seen with, you know, Nicholas Singleton, a heavy lean to Notre Dame, become a commitment to Penn State. And even Morrison, we saw a lean to Notre Dame. Then it was he was leaning to, to Wisconsin and everybody thought he was gone. And now it seems like everybody thinks he's, you know, he's trending back you know, to, to Notre Dame. So that's obviously a you know good sign. But um, I mean, Morrison is, is still clearly out there and seems likely. But there's other four star guys out there on defense too and i mean you you start to to add it up and it's like okay well there's morrison which seems likely and then you go back to you know defensive line and you know cyrus moss is there which notre dame still has a uh, you know a good chance at not no i don't think anyone's saying they're the leader right now but still very much in the race anthony lucas on the interior of the of the defensive line seems again like notre dame is right in the race um who am i missing hero uh, Kanu, I don't even know if I'm saying that right because Notre Dame just offered over the weekend, so I, I haven't. <laughs> I don't know if I'm pronouncing his, his name right even yet, but I mean Notre Dame just offered him over the weekend, top 100 defensive lineman, and it seems like there is mutual interest. So yeah, another possibility. Um, and who else am I missing? Oh, uh, and Xavier Nwankwa, borderline top 50 recruited safety. That again, Notre Dame is still very much, you know, in in the mix for. So I mean. There's a lot of good going on on the defensive side of the ball this year in uh, in recruiting. Yeah, so like you just said, the 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 top, I guess the top fish. I mean, Jalen Sneed was one of the like the super big fish. I mean, this oh, yeah. is he's he's 70th in the composite right now, and honestly, I think there's there's a chance that he'll move up just because he's kind of blown up the camp circuit. A little bit. Um, he he was the MVP of the uh, the rivals five star challenge camp, which I think had a bunch of five star linebackers in it. I know CJ Hicks, um, the five star linebacker from Ohio State, was there, um, and Snead, you know, took home the MVP. So I think there's kind of a lot of buzz around him. So he he might be you know moving up in the rankings there. Um, but like you said, um, you know, with Lucas Moss and Noankpa. You know, there's there's a chance, I guess, that that they can land those guys, and um, and then the defensive class gets even better. Um, you mentioned Morrison. Just a quick correction: you said Wisconsin. Washington is the team that they're kind of. He's vacillating. Did I say Wisconsin? Yeah, you I thought did. I said Washington. My bad. You know, no, what? Cool. I might be thinking of all those offensive linemen. That yeah, you're 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 getting confused with the uh, the linemen. In my head, uh, it was Washington. Maybe this maybe this single high beer that I'm drinking <laughs> is all already kicking in, and I feel remiss. So last week, I, I I was not able to indulge in a high alcohol content beer as we as we podcasted uh, because Greg and I recorded over like three separate sessions. <laughs> our, our schedules allowed and when we did the main session i was like it's a little too early in the day and i still got to work out today but um you know luckily we're recording later in the day eastern uh, eastern standard time and i'm enjoying a lovely double dry hopped ipa from other half brewery in brooklyn new york um they're an amazing brewery i wish more of them were available where i lived and i wish it was a lot easier for me to get to brooklyn to uh, to try them but it's 
I, I looked at one day, like miles wise, I don't live that far from Brooklyn, but it is like an hour and 45 minutes because you have to like drive all the way through Manhattan and then get through yeah. that nonsense. So it's like, you look at the map and you're like, I don't know, it's like 15 miles or whatever it is. And then I was like, hour and 45 minutes. I was like, no, that's <laughs> not going to happen. I'm not, not for, and then you got to pay tolls too, like of like three tunnels. It's, it's a, it's a whole thing, but I've, some of them have become available here in, uh, in wonderful New Jersey, a hotbed of Notre Dame football recruiting lately, but um, this one is pretty tasty. So I'm, uh, I'm, I'm back. If uh, back on the back on the wagon or off the wagon, however that whoever that goes in, in terms of uh, uh, aiming for a uh, for a beer sponsor here. Yeah, we accept sponsorships. So if any rep is listening and wants to uh, sponsor the pod, we we will gladly um, accept. Yeah, we're easily bought. <laughs> Any half decent <laughs> beer is uh, is enough for me. So, but you know what? We didn't really we we, we probably didn't give the Sneed commitment enough um, enough talk either, just because there's so much going on. You know, in terms of again, all the good things happening on on uh, you know on the defensive side of the ball with regards to recruiting. But man, when you watch, like I went back and I watched his film again last night, um, and man, like. The versatility is just what stands out. Like, I mean, he played basically, you know, as an edge rusher, like almost predominantly last year. Uh, and I mean, he was good as a, you know, as a, as just a, uh, as a pass rusher. Um, he's played some safety. He's played some linebacker. He's kind of played all over, you know, the the defense. And I think that's what, like, you look at four linebackers coming in, and you know, simple math. That when you first think of it, you go, well, there's three spots. So what's going to happen with these four four-star linebackers? How do you get four four-star linebackers on the field? And I think you you do that because you got a guy like Snead now who who knows where he ends up. And I mean, we see, I, I've seen him listed. Yeah, some sites had him at 6'3", some sites like 6'2". So, um, yeah, he comes – I think he's checking in at like, again, anywhere between 210 and 215. So – by the time he checks in at Notre Dame, he'll probably gain a little bit more weight. He'll probably be what, like 220, 225, you know, or in that, you know, in that range. So he's going to have some half decent bulk, uh, you know, already by the time he he gets to Notre Dame. But I mean, I, I would say, yeah, yeah. I mean, like maybe you know, Rover. I have seen some comparisons to um, you know to Cher- to uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa. Um, mm-hmm. you know, but he's going to be bigger than, than Jock was because Jock, what was Jock his senior year? Like 215, 220? Yeah, like, he wasn't, he, he's about, he was probably a little bit bigger than, um, Snead is right now. Just yeah. maybe like five pounds. So, I mean, so that's why, I mean, maybe you see Snead rush the passer more, um, right. cause he's going to be, he's going to be bigger. And I mean, you watch his film and it's like, I mean, he, he lined up as a defensive end a lot last year. So, um, you know, maybe they, maybe they play him there. Um, and yeah, to your point earlier, like Junior is the only one that's kind of set in stone. Like he is a middle linebacker, and like, can you imagine? Like, I mean, he is what? Like one? Ah, I forget his ranking. Like one eleven or something like that. Like in that. He's one oh six. One oh six. Okay, so yeah, he's he's in that like just outside the the top one hundred range. But can you imagine what his ranking would be if we were doing this podcast in like? I don't know, 2010, you know, 2000 or 2008, like, cause the game has changed, you know, the oh, linebacker right, yeah. position so yeah. much in the last like 10, 15 years, like 15 years ago, man, you, you'd be hearing like the next junior say out type type comparisons for him. Cause he is just like that, that like just prototype, you know, Mike linebacker, which I think some of the reason why he dropped a little bit is cause there's some skepticism of whether or not that type of linebacker can still thrive you know, in today's college, you know, in today's college football, but, you know, he's, he's locked in at Mike. And then, yeah, I mean, I think you look at the, the other, um, you know, the, the other two and where they're going to, you know, to, to land. That's, I mean, it's just, it's an exciting group to think about. And um, I mean, I know, you know, I, Tom Lemming, who is, you know, he's been doing recruiting for, you know, for a long time. And, you know, you can take what he says now, you know, with a, a little bit of a grain of salt, cause he's not, you know, He's not what he once was when he had that 900 number. Right. Probably got so many guys in trouble back in like the, you know, the, the nineties when <laughs> that thing was like a dollar 99 a minute or whatever it was to get the recruiting scoop before, you know, we had the internet and Twitter and everything. But um, he tweeted out 
This is the best group of linebackers he has seen Notre Dame sign in the 40 years he's been doing this. That's a pretty good endorsement. Yeah, I mean, I just, just thinking about it, I can't – I mean, it's hard to go back into, like, the oh. the 90s just because the rankings, right? Like, who who – they didn't do that stuff. So, but just yeah. since they've started, like, 247 and that sort of thing, you know, it's just – the. <laughs> It's phenomenal. I mean, I you know, getting even a guy like Nolan Ziegler, who, who is the lowest ranked. I mean, he's he's someone who has risen in the rankings, just kind of independent of all of this. I mean, yeah. not like a meteoric rise, but I think you know, he it's a he's he's gone up from a three star to a four star, and you know, there's a chance that that's going to keep going up as well. And then you have Burnham, who is around 115. Tuyalamaka is 106, and you have Snead who's 70th. I mean, there is there is not a insignificant chance that as the season goes, because I think with Tuyalamaka especially, like he was he was high, ranked higher than um, Snead not too long ago, and then he had like kind of a spotty junior year. Um, you know, out here, I I would really take a lot of what we saw from the kids, the high school kids out here their junior seasons with kind of a grain of salt, just because it was such a weird, a weird ramp up with the spring and they didn't play that many games and it just wasn't as organized as it, you know, would be normally. So I think going into next year, we're really going to see. But there's not an insignificant chance that they have three top 100 linebackers at the end of the day. And uh, one of them being a five-star and Jalen Sneed. So um, look, there's obviously, there's a lot of ways we can game out, who is playing where and how that fits and everything. You know, my thing is Notre Dame is in a talent acquisition mode at this point. They don't have, they don't really have big needs for numbers at linebacker. What they need is just wherever you can just stack on elite guys. And this was the thing with Singleton, you know, um, what we talked about him last week, like, you anytime you have a chance to get an elite talent, you want to do it. And regardless of what the depth chart looks like, just stack talent on top of talent. I mean, because you know, how does it all fit with Prince Prince Colley, who who was the Buckkiss Award winner that we signed a year ago? You know, who knows? I don't know. But however it works, whatever three or four or however it works out, those guys are going to be really good. And that's yeah. that's where you want to be. Like these are. These are Alabama problems. You know, these are the types of problems that Alabama has and Ohio State have where it's like, oh, man, like we have five guys who are awesome, but we only have three spots. Like, what are we going to do? It's like, I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. Whoever's out there is is killing it and is great. And and we know that because the two people they had to beat out are really good themselves. So, um, you know, in a two year span, the linebacker position has gone through just a huge upgrade. And as you're talking, you know, one group of linebackers at Notre Dame that I'm that I was reminded of that maybe rivals this. Not, and I don't think they were all in the same class, but because I was a little bit young when uh, when they were all recruited. But I, I, it just triggered a memory of that '96 linebacking core um, that was just, again, on paper ridiculous. Um, where you had um, Kid and Tatum, Laron Cobbins, Bert Berry. And Corey Miner, all in one. And that was a 34 defense versus a 43 defense. Like we're, you know, but again, that's the other thing too, which we're, you know, kind of even forgetting a little bit about, you know, Marcus Freeman is Marcus Freeman is like, look, I don't really, I'm not, um, you know, I'm not married to a scheme. I, I put my best players, you know, out there. So who knows? Like two years from now, if these guys are all looking like hits and it's like, hey, we have four great linebackers, uh, like Marcus Freeman's going to find a way to get them, you know, to, to get them on the field. But that group of 96 linebackers, which man, that was a, that was one hell of a group. And if that team had, that team had some defensive, uh, defensive, uh, you know, um, uh, just some elite defensive players. And that was, that was a fun team. Actually, it was a frustrating team when you, when you think about it, as you, you think about the, you know, the, the, just what that team could have been in 90, in 96. But, um, that was the that's the last group of linebackers that I can remember trotting out Notre Dame trotting out that I like can think of 
as like, okay, that was a group that all, they were about the same class. I think they might've, I don't think they were all the same class. Um, I don't know if you remember, we're, you're, since you're, you're clearly that much older than me as we, we've already <laughs> learned on this, on this podcast by an entire year. But uh, do you remember those guys? Like that was a fun group of linebackers to watch play football. I very much remember them. Yeah. Um, so it, I think Tatum and uh, Cobbins and Barry were the same class. Yeah, Miner was the young one because he Miner played. Right. And Corey Miner was fun too, but he was another guy, man. Like I remember, like he just seemed like he was one of those players that came in and it was like freshman year to senior year. You're like the the level of production was almost the same. Yeah, he was. So the class that I think of, so you could think of Tatum's, Cobbins, and Barry. Yeah. You could look at it like that, or you could look at the um, the class that Corey Miner was in. Yeah. I mean, just at the time, because Corey Miner was the USA Today Player of the Year. Yeah. So, I mean, that's – I mean, given what he did at Bish Mott in California, like he probably would have been – I mean, he was like Jalen, honestly. Yeah. Um, just the, the way – because he played offense too. So he probably would have been at least the top 20 guy. Oh, and yeah. then they had um, – that was a Jimmy Friday class. Oh, yeah, man. Jimmy and, Friday was fun. Yeah, he was good. And then it was a Bobby Howard class too. Oh, also a fun. Right. So – I mean, but, he wasn't ranked that high though, Bobby Howard. That I remember. He was more like – I mean – Well, people saw him as like – that was the Randy Moss's teammate. Exactly. So people kind of saw that as like, oh, yeah, that's – they kind of linked them together. but. Um, I mean, he but was they also all had size. That was why. I mean, that was the only yeah. reason. Man, but they all had we, really good careers, though. We just got off on a mid to late 1990s Notre Dame football tangent there, <laughs> and young fans who are listening, who maybe don't know these names, go back and look these guys up. They were all so much fun to watch. Um, if nothing else, the visor game was just on uh, point. Is that a USC 95? Uh, the U.S. I mean, the, well, the '96 group because they all yeah. had not just the visors, but the single digits, oh, with yeah. the exception of uh, with the exception of Burt Barry, who's 13. So Cobbins yeah. was six, Tatum two, yeah. minor four, and then Burt Barry uh, number 13. All had the dark visors. I mean, it oh, was yeah. it was phenomenal. That was that was that, those were some fun fun teams, man. Um, so yeah, if you guys. If these names are not ringing a bell to you, go back, look them up. They were, um, they were, they, they were good times, man. Notre Dame had some, Notre Dame had national championship caliber defenses in those days. Offense, not so much, but the defenses were pretty, you know, pretty, pretty fantastic. Um, but uh, yeah, man, we we got off on, on a little bit of a little bit of a of a tangent there. But uh, you know, speaking of phenomenal defenses, is I. You know, everything that we are seeing out of our new defensive coordinator, Greg, is pointing to that being the case again. Um, and not that defenses, obviously, Clark Lee's defenses were great. Uh, Mike Elko's one defense you know, was, was you know, a huge, huge, huge improvement. I think if we looked back at it now, I don't know that we might. I don't know if we would think Mike Elko's one defense was as good as it was because at the time we were just comparing it to the absolute floor of Notre Dame defensive performances um, from yeah. his predecessor. But, I mean, everything that we're seeing out of Marcus Freeman, um, you know, early on in the recruiting trail, and just in in terms of how he's presenting himself, you know, is leading, you know, to that being, looking like, I should say, lo- looking like a very likely outcome of us having that kind of level of defense and I know we want to talk about Freeman, uh, you know, in, in a little bit too. But um, you know, kind of before we get there, uh, you know, sticking on, you know, on the recruiting trail, just to kind of bring it back and to put a bow on 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 that on that discussion, is you know, there are what did we say? There's five or six more guys out there that would like really, you know, none of them are. I would say I shouldn't say none are needs uh, because obviously you need as many four star guys as 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 or five stars as you know as as possible, but I don't know if any of the of the guys that we mentioned or you know you say are like wow, if we don't get them, this class is you know not not a success because there's already you know to your point more four stars this year than we've had in recent years. Mm-hmm. But um, you know of the ones who are out there, you know that 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 we rattled off, I think to me, 
um, you know, Nwankpa is probably like if I had to say of all of the guys that are out there left that I would love for Notre Dame, you know, to to add, I think he might be at the top of my list just because we do need that, you know, that heir apparent to Kyle Hamilton at, you know, at safety. He is a very, very highly rated player. He seems like he could be, you know, kind of just step in and be the the, the next, um, you know, the, the the next great safety. But he's up there. And then I think, I don't know, if I had to point a second one, I don't, I, I, I'm having a hard time thinking, and this is, by the way, this is assuming Morrison is is on board already. Um, I think it might be one of the interior guys. Like, I don't get me wrong, I would love, 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 love to add Cyrus Moss to this class because I've written an entire article about how I love the the length, or how Notre Dame is really recruiting, you know, length at um, at the defensive end. But I look at the interior and I think maybe that might be like if they can also get if I had to pick, you know, two, you know, Nwankpa and Lucas, Nwankpa and Kanu, I think that might be my top two of, of what's left. But what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I think you nailed it um, in terms of Nwankpa. For me, it's Nwankpa. And then whoever is second is kind of like a f- further further away from that because Nwankpa is, is there's an actual depth chart um, deficiency there because you're assuming Kyle's leaving. So Uh, come on, (laughs) I'm just saying, I'm just saying like, that's, that's (laughs) what we're, that's what we're, you know, obviously he's going to be gone. So you're Kyle's going to be gone. You're going to need, you, you have a kind of a hole um, and not just a hole, but like, we have players, but and you know players that you know maybe we could move. You know maybe we can move some corners, and maybe Justin Walters works out, and maybe Houston Griffith, if he has a good year, he wants to come back. But there's no looking at 2022 and thinking, okay, this guy like we can count on this. We, we don't have that right now at this moment. So um, Nwankpa for me is the the one where it's like elite talent plus need at the position. And I think everybody else is, it, I don't want to say luxury. Like it's just, it, everything else is just like I said, stacking on elite talent, and that's what Lucas is, and that's what yeah. Cyrus Moss is. Um, you know, because I think Lucas, while there's there's depth at defensive end or the the three technique or whatever, um, there is depth, but not like him. You know, and kind of the same thing with Cyrus Moss. Like, there's just that's that's a type of athletic talent that is is like Jalen Sneed is at that kind of level, um, but he, you know, it's kind of a different position. So um, those guys are just like they're not luxuries. They're just you really you really want those guys because everyone wants players like them. Yep. Um, who else is there? I guess kind of like I don't know enough about Hiro Kanu to to kind of make a, um, a judgment on him. Like uh, they're not going to end up with both him and Lucas probably. So probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I would say I know more about Lucas, so I'll just kind of focus on him, but, um, yeah. So of the, of those, of that group, I would say you want, you want Nwankpa. If it, if it was like it, honestly, it, let's say you told me you, we could end up with Lucas and Moss. Mm-hmm. Or just Nwankpa, I would probably, I would probably say I just want Nwankpa. Really? Yeah, just be, just because you 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 need that person in the back, you need that elite talent. Like I think there's so much talent up front, especially in the front seven, that you can you can get by and still be like a really dominant good defense, but in the back. You, you don't have that and you, you kind of need it. You need it back there. And we're going to see that this year when it's like, Oh, it's very nice having this, you know, top 10 talent playing on the back end for us. We're going to see that. So, but I mean, if, if you disagree, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't make a big deal out of it. Like I can see kind of both sides. It's just kind of my personal preference. I mean, I, I, I can totally see that. I think to me, I, to me, I think the again, assuming Notre Dame is able to land Morrison, if they're able to to land Morrison, 
I think that allows them some flexibility with some of the other commits, maybe even like a Jaden Bellamy, you know, to be able to play safety where maybe the safety need isn't as big. And I don't know, my take is always if your front is great and you are getting to the quarterback really, really fast, the back end is not as much of a of a of a, of a priority. So if I had to pick getting again this is like i love these kind of scenarios it's like well if you get two top 100 level defensive linemen or one top 100 near top 50 you know defensive back who would you pick i might go with the defensive line just because to me and in that case you know you you're building up that defensive line to a point where your your corners aren't going to have to cover as long and your safeties aren't going to have to cover as much ground because that line is going to be collapsing pockets and the opposing the opposing quarterback is not going to be you know is not going to have the you know the, the the time to really pick apart maybe a weaker secondary yeah but i can i mean honestly either way i would be i would be i'd be happy um and i mean i think that is kind of how all notre dame fans should feel right now about the defensive recruiting because freeman's doing a hell of a job um, and and I think you know the other part of what we wanted to spend some time on today was a recent interview that Marcus Freeman did on the Chris Zorich podcast. Um, I think it was last week. You know, uh, Chris Zorich, uh, you know Notre Dame legend, had hit, had Freeman on for about an hour. And if you have not watched it, as soon as you're done with our episode, um, you know, go go listen to or watch that on um, you know on on, on YouTube. Because it's a great interview. Um, it, it's really it's a fascinating interview, um, and it's it's one that you know, you watch it, and I think it's impossible to come away from it not thinking, "Oh damn, I know exactly why Notre Dame defensive recruiting is on an uptick right now." Um, and it just the way that Freeman carries himself, because we haven't really you know, because with all the you know, we haven't had a great a lot of a uh, you know, exposure to Marcus Freeman so far. He's had a, he's done a couple interviews and, and you know things like that, but that was like one of the first times, at least I remember, you know, in the last you know seven months since she's been on the job. You know, him really getting some you know some just FaceTime and being able to you know to see you know his personality come through and to get a, a, a sense for what kind of coach he is and what kind of recruiter he is. So definitely watch that. But I know. Greg, you wanted to talk about it. You had some thoughts on it. Um, I came away, you know, just extremely impressed. I think there's, there's, you know, different things I wrote down from that interview that I thought were, uh, you know, kind of the most impressive and, and just, you know, that really, you know, stood out to me. But what, you know, coming after watching that, what were, what was your, you know, your main takeaway? Um, well, just uh, a kind of a big picture one is. I, I was very surprised at how, um, how much substance there was to the interview. I mean, he was talking about, you know, how it came to be that he got to Notre Dame, you know, the, the way that Brian Kelly kind of recruited him. Um, there, there was a lot of meat on that bone. That was surprising. Um, cause usually, you know, you get an interview with the coach and it, it they're not going to talk about that stuff. So that was, um, that was good to, it was fun to hear. It was fun to listen to and just kind of get the, uh, the meat and potatoes on that. Um, you know, it's like you said, the, the guy, he, he tells a good story and I really, I really hope that, um, you know, he can, he can coach and there's no, there's no, I have no reason to believe that it won't, he won't do great. Um, he's done great everywhere he's been, but it's, if he can, if he can get the defense to the next level and he talked about it and, and that was a good point that he made that, you know, Notre Dame, he's starting from a good spot. He, you know, Notre Dame's around a top 15, top 20 defense at the moment. And he wants to get them, you know, into the top five, you know, uh, top three, you know, and that's, that's, if he can do that, you know, this, this coach and waiting stuff is going to get real big. Cause the way that he talks about, the program he he hits all the buttons for a notre dame fan that you want to hear you know that he he knows how to sell it he knows um you know I, he knows he seems to know what 
makes other but makes fans like us feel about the program. And so when he's speaking about the program, like it really hits us in the feelings about, yeah, like, yes, Notre Dame is special and all those other things. Um, and he has the, a different kind of energy than Clark Lee did. And so that's kind of what, you know, gets everyone's juices flowing. Um, I was curious about how you took in some of the, uh, you know, the, the, the comments about, um, you know, we, we got to start finding the best players and getting them to, you know, figuring out if they're Notre Dame guys and convincing them that they are Notre Dame guys rather than just finding the Notre Dame kids um, who are predisposed to Notre Dame. I was wondering how you how you kind of took that in. Yeah. And, well, and, and first, I totally agree with you that there was a lot of meat in that interview because I lost track of how many times he said, yeah, you know, they told me that money is not going to be an issue here. So take that off the table and tell us what it's going to take for you to come you know, to Notre Dame. And he even had one specific line where he said, he's like, yeah, Brian told me, you know, like Jack busted out the checkbook for this. Um, and I thought that was just like in today's day and age of coach speak, shockingly honest, um, but awesome that, you know, that 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 he said that um, because, I mean, I think we all kind of assume that, right? We all were like, there's, I mean, this is the only way that we were able to get, get him, you know, away from, you know, from, from LSU. So I thought that was great. Um, now, in terms of, you know, when he started talking about, you know, looking for the best players and then figuring out who is the Notre Dame fit. I mean, my first reaction is like, well, why haven't we been doing this? Like, is you, you tell me we, you tell me we haven't been like it, it maybe this explains some things is like are we only looking for Notre Dame through you know for 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 recruits who who check boxes and then determine if they you know if they can if they can play football uh you know or if they're they're at a high level and to me I guess I guess I was hoping maybe we were already doing that but it sounds like maybe Notre Dame wasn't and maybe Notre Dame I mean Notre Dame's already starting off with a little bit of a smaller talent pool we know that because of you know the academic requirements and, and, and things like that that you know other schools don't other big time programs you know don't have so i mean if we're already starting off with a smaller pool and then we're even limiting it even more um it's a little bit a little bit a little, little bit concerning but it's also something that i can understand given that i think one of you know one of brian kelly's biggest challenges early on in his tenure at Notre Dame was, you know, he wasn't used to being able to recruit five-star guys. He wasn't used to being able to get their attention and just like crossing them off his list to begin with. Cause he's like, I'm the head coach at Cincinnati. I'm not going to get a five-star guy here. Right. Unless, you know, the kid grew up in Cincinnati or his, you know, his, one of his parents, um, you know, was, you know, went, went, went to Cincinnati or something like that. Right. And I think he struggled with that. Um, and then what happened was he was like, oh, five stars answer my calls now. And you saw some of those early guys, you know, come in that were very, very highly rated. Um, and they didn't work out necessarily. Um, and I think it almost like gave us, gave, gave him and maybe the staff made them a little bit gun shy about going after some of those guys. And I'm thinking about like, you know, an Aaron Lynch. Aaron Lynch, five-star guy, comes in, huge freshman year, transfers, okay? Uh, T. Shepard was a highly, highly rated cornerback. Wait, he transferred before he ever even, you know, got to got to campus. Uh, Devontae Neal, I he think he was a five-star on, like, one or two services maybe. Um, it didn't work out. Again, transferred after after his, you know, his, his, his freshman year. And I think almost like that early experience of, like, oh, okay, maybe I shouldn't go after – you know, some of these five-star guys, even if they're interested, uh, kind of like maybe shaped our recruiting strategy in a way over over the over the last few years that maybe it took Marcus Freeman coming in to say, like, well, why are we doing this? Like, no, we need to we need to get some dudes here. And I love that he used that term. And it was just like, we need to get dudes and then figure out if they're going to fit. Um, because, you know, one of his best lines was like, I could care less. I think he said, I said, yeah, if a guy has a, you know, 29 ACT, but he's lazy, 
he's still not going to be a fit here. Maybe he checks boxes. You know, maybe he fits the requirements. But if that person, if that kid is lazy, he's not going to fit at Notre Dame. So, like, I, it was a, to me, it was kind of like a refreshing way to look at it. But it was also like a, damn, have we not been doing this? Um, and uh, and I mean, should we? Are we? Are we still doing that in other areas where you know where he doesn't have as much say? Right. So. Have we been doing this? So I actually have a theory about Clark Lee and Marcus Freeman and what the difference in dynamic is. So I was just looking up Clark Lee's um, Wikipedia and he, he started playing, uh, he started in college playing baseball and then he, and this is an NAIA level. So pretty low level. Then he transferred to Belmont and he's playing, uh, he played baseball there. And then he transferred to Vanderbilt where he played quarterback or uh, fullback. Sorry. So kind of like a journeyman situation, right? Like I bet you he was going to walk on at Vanderbilt because how could he get a scholarship? So he, he was always very good at finding guys like um, Jack Kaiser, for example. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because he can identify kids who were like him. He can relate to the Jack Kaisers of the world because he had kind of the same trajectory. And, and so I think that led him to just kind of be predisposed against rankings and he's able to find guys who who aren't necessarily the national level recruits but finding them and saying we can make that guy a quality division one football player at Notre Dame and 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 he has done so right like who is the guy that everyone thinks is is going to have a breakout season right? A lot of people think it's going to be Jack Kaiser. And when he played last year, you know, when he replaced Shane Simon, who was a top 100 player out of New Jersey, and everyone was just like super excited when he signed with Notre Dame. When he put, when he went in and replaced Shane Simon, everyone was like, Jack Kaiser, he's got it, right? He knows how to play. And everyone is excited about him. Is that someone that Marcus Freeman is going to go after? I mean, this is a low, low division Indiana football player. I mean, as low a three star as you can be. And but Clark Lee was not wrong about him. And he's going to probably start for us this year. And but Marcus Freeman, he was a he was a five star. You know, Ohio State's been recruiting me since I was a sophomore in high school kind of guy. And so he he views he views the world and college football in a different way. He views it like I can relate actually to the kids who who like him were Notre Dame guys, but they didn't know it. They didn't know they were Notre Dame guys. And I was a top recruit who was always going to go to Ohio State, but now that I'm at Notre Dame, I can see, oh my goodness, like there is so much to sell here to players like me who, who, who came from my situation where it's like, I was going to go to Ohio state no matter what. And so he views that as like, this is a green light. I can go tell Jalen Sneed about all the things that Notre Dame can do for him. And I know how to push those buttons because they were the buttons that got pushed for me. Mm-hmm. And so I think that he just views the world and recruiting and all of that in just like a different way than Clark Lee did. Now, all that matters is the result. And, you know, Clark Lee's kind of, kind of taken a beating the last couple of months because the recruiting tip has just been really good. And, and his recruiting results in terms of rankings were not what you want them to be, but the guy coordinated really good defenses and, you know, you can you can say what you want about the recruiting stuff, but his best linebackers, you know, Jack Kaiser, Drew White, low three star. He's going to be a three year starter and he's going to be a captain this year. You know, he's got Myron Tagovailoa Mosa, right, playing great ball. Kurt Heinisch, 
Yeah. You know, he he's found a way. Three stars, Julian Love, same thing. I mean, he's he's got he can develop and coach defense, maybe to a certain point. And I kind of view Clark Lee and and Ian Book kind of the same way, to be honest with you. I think they both did. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I, I think Go they on. both did great things, and they they both took the program to new heights. But maybe there was a ceiling there, and and maybe they needed a little bit a little bit more, you know, maybe from themselves, you know, because like Clark Lee, like his perhaps his crutch was just the recruiting piece. He just didn't have that dynamic recruiting kind of personality that drive on the recruiting trail but what he what he had to work with he could he could he could work with it and I think Ian was the same way I think Ian you know whatever he had he he worked with it and he did everything he could but maybe he didn't have that dynamic just last piece of ability that would take Notre Dame on the offensive side to the next level and and I think that, you know, hopefully, you know, Notre Dame can find their Marcus Freeman at quarterback. Um, but the point is, is like both people, you know, they they took the, the, the level is not a low level at this point. OK, the, the bar is up there. Right. Thirty and five. That That's no matter what you say about him, like that's that's a high bar that needs to be met. And the same thing can be said of Clark Lee, who's you know, coordinating top 20 defenses, yeah. top 10 defense in 2018. So, um, you know, let's see where it goes. And I mean, to be fair to Clark Lee, like the, Notre Dame didn't lose. I mean, Notre Dame didn't lose the Rose Bowl because of its defense. Right. I mean, maybe. Yeah. OK, maybe they could have done a little bit better job. But I mean, Alabama holding that juggernaut Alabama offense and you could debate whether or not they called off, you know, the, you know, they, they, they called things off a little bit in the second half, but bottom line is they held them to 31 points, right? That's, that's a, you, for the most part, you did your job. If you, you know, if you, if you do that in that game, you knew you had to score some points to be able to, you know, to, to pull off that upset. Um, but what they didn't really do in that game. And I think this is where, you know, maybe Notre Dame, can improve and, and, and where fans are going to be a little bit more excited or you're potentially more excited this year is like in being a little bit more aggressive and in that defense being a little bit more, you know, going past just being like a, a defense that's good and being a defense that, you know, that is great. And the defense that's going to like just take the ball away and score when they do it and things like that. And you and I talked about this, maybe not on a podcast, but I know you and I have talked about this before is like this year Notre Dame's going to give up more big plays than we're used to seeing but they're also probably going to make more big plays on defense than we're than we're used to seeing with Marcus Freeman in charge and that's something Notre Dame fans are going to have to get used to and become be comfortable with and, and be okay with and I think yeah that's a good thing um a couple things though that you know that that I thought stood out too along with you know what you uh you know what you were talking about um that, you know, in terms of Marcus Freeman being like, I was a five-star guy. I know the experience. I know what these schools do. I know what I've done at other schools. What really stood out to me, too, about, you know, that, that conversation that he had on the Zorich podcast was just how confident he was in what he was selling at this point that he said, like, yeah, we will tell kids if you're not you want to commit right now. Great. Go ahead. If you're not fully ready to, I'm not going to pressure you to do this. Go home, decompress, think about it. I know Notre Dame is going to be your choice when you're done. And I was like, that is that is confidence that and that you know that we're not used to seeing. I don't think um, in general in on on the recruiting trail when you're dealing with you know the the level of player that we're we're trying to recruit now on defense at least. That's really stood out to me, and I think. You know, we're seeing that, and I also think that that might be why June, at least early on, was not the flurry of commitments that, you know, that we were led to believe might might be coming. Because they, that Freeman, you know, in general, it was just confident enough to say, yeah, you know what, go visit somewhere else. You're going to come back to Notre Dame. And, you know, he even mentioned one recruit, um, you know, specifically, I would love to know who it is. 
Um, it was it was actually kind of funny too how he kept catching himself being like, ah oh, man, I really want to tell you guys who this was, but I can't say it right now because you know it's you know it's recruiting and I can't mention names. Uh, but he mentioned a recruit who was like, yeah, he came to he visited Notre Dame. He went to another school the next week and on Sunday called and was like, I'm not going to, I'm going there. I'm there. I'm going there guys. And, and by, you know, like they said, like, just give it a day. You're going to come back to Notre Dame. Don't worry about it. Just, and he was like, yeah. And, and he did. And I was trying to think like, what defensive recruit did we see visit? I mean, you know what? It could have been maybe, or maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe he, he is alluding to Morrison um, because Morrison, you know, went from a Notre Dame lean to I'm going to go to, you know, not to again. What the story said was that, you know, the that uh, that things were trending to Washington, not Wisconsin, Washington for, you know, for Morrison. But who knows? Um, but it was it, w- it was interesting to see that level of confidence in in, you know, in in his approach. And I mean, man, he did one hell of a job, too, in that interview, too, of just selling Notre Dame. And, and like it was again, it's. It was so much more coach speak than I'm used to seeing from a coach, right? Like there was not, there weren't a lot of cliches in it. And it was more like, he wasn't shy about saying like, yeah, you know, like, you know, we need to do, like he mentioned Oklahoma, he mentioned LSU, he mentioned other, other programs. And, you know, he was just like very, you know, very forthcoming kind of what, what his approach is. And I thought it was funny too, seeing Chris Zorch's response. How many times did Chris Zorich in that interview say, man, I got goosebumps. I'm ready to play for you, coach. Right. And you're talking about a guy that won a national championship, you know, at Notre Dame who played for Lou Holtz and who played on defenses coached by, you know, by Barry Alvarez. Um, and that was the reaction that, that, uh, that Zorich was getting from, you know, from Freeman. So, I mean, it is, it's early, it's July only had one beer today, but <laughs> you know, it, it is so easy to like, to just buy into the, to, to, to the hype when you see what he's doing on recruiting. And then you just listen to the guy and you just go like, holy shit. Like if, if, if he puts this all together, it is like the, the possibilities are amazing. Cause we've had good defenses. Clark Lee had very, very good defenses, right? You know, I mean, they're they maybe at times they were an elite. You could, you know, nitpick here and there. Maybe we gave up too many points. You know, what did we give up? Forty to Clemson's backup quarterback, who still was a five-star guy in November, but we still won the game, right? So you can nitpick some things, you know, here and there. You could point to maybe a lack of turnovers. You know, at times I think that's kind of one of, if you look back at the body of work of Clark Lee at Notre Dame, that's probably like the biggest nitpick that that most fans have is that while the defense was good it was sound it prevented the other team from scoring a lot of points it maybe didn't always you know generate as many turnovers as we really would have hoped some of that was just bad luck like if you look back at 2020 how many interceptions got dropped stolen by bad penalties or just you know uh, otherwise were you know um, were, were there to be were, were there to be had and for whatever reason you know weren't but, you know, if Freeman takes the level that we're used to and elevated, uh, elevates it, man, it is, you know, the, the, the possibilities are extremely exciting. To go back to what you're talking about, I think it absolutely was Ben Morrison. You think so? Yeah. I mean, that's the only one I could think of that we've heard was like heavily Notre Dame leaning. Then he is. Yes, he is the only one. It's it, it, if it was offense, I think I would have thought he was talking about Billy Shrouth. But yeah. Ben Morrison was the one who was like, oh, yeah, like he's on commit watch. And then he didn't. And then it was like he got a bunch of crystal balls for Washington. Yeah. And then that flipped within like three or four days. Yeah. So I, I think that's who um, who he was talking about. You know, he's mentioned a couple of times, uh, not just on on the latest pod, but just kind of some other interviews that I've read where he caters the pitch to the person and just kind of reading between the lines. I think that, that what Notre Dame has done is they kind of have their, they kind of have their boilerplate pitch on like kind of what Notre Dame is and what Notre Dame's about. And you, you sell that to the player 
And if it clicks with them, great. And if it doesn't, then they go somewhere else. And I think that what Freeman, I think his thing is like, I'll, I'll talk about, you know, and he, I think he has just a good feel for his audience and the person that he's talking to and just how am I going to reach this person? Because look, this is a guy with, I think is eight children. Is it eight or six? I mean, he has, he has a lot of kids and it's not that you, you develop this skill because you have a lot of kids. It's like, if you're the type of person that wants to have a lot of kids, then you are the type of person that, that is, is ready and willing to, to learn about youth that you're ready and willing to mold people. You want to learn about people who are younger than you. And, and I think that is, is his great talent. And I think that's where he separates himself. I think that he just knows how to get to people and he knows how to, I don't want to say push buttons because it sounds, it sells, it sounds very salesman-y, but it's like he can connect with people and he knows how to connect with different individuals and I think he's very malleable in that way. And so, however, he 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 has Jalen Sneed. This is what I know about Jalen Sneed. This is what I think he needs to hear. And then I have Ben Morrison, who is a different person from a different region, just a different, totally different situation. This is what he needs to hear. And then I have Devin Moore, who is also just like a different guy. This is what he needs to hear from me. And I think that that is his, aside from his energy, which is off the charts, his energy and his ability to to reach people, I think, is his great skill as a recruiter. And hey, nothing wrong with sales there, there Greg, as somebody who works in the uh, in the sales industry. Well, no, but, <laughs> but it just has a negative connotation, right? Like, oh, trust it? me, I'm aware. I'm aware. It totally <laughs> does. But tailoring the pitch. It, that's that that is that, that that's recruiting that's sales that is what you you have to do you got to know your audience and um you know it is uh you know, freeman is just doing a great job of that and you it, it also like again just watching that interview it it came off as so genuine and sincere like there's definitely the kind of recruiters um, and even the kind of salesman recently, I, I mentioned this to you offline, but we were trying to get a bathroom redone in our house. And the salesman that came over was so pushy and so stereotypical sales that I was like, dude, you really need to like, you need to slow this down, right? Like, I get it. You're trying to get us to sign a contract tonight. Not going to happen, right? I work in sales. I get the, I, I get it. I know you're up against quotas, blah, blah, blah. But like, this is not. Your, your, your approach is not vibing with me right now. Um, but that's also that that's, you know, that that's recruiting as well. You can't go in with the same approach, you know, every time and just be like, well, this is my, this is my pitch, you know, like it or not. And, you know, Freeman seems like he gets that like really well. And he also just, he comes across as genuine. Um, like I said, and you watch it and you're just like, wow, like how has this guy only been a coach at Notre Dame for seven months? Cause he just seems to, he just seems to get it. And like if if you would have said to like somebody, you would have just showed him them that clip and you said, This guy played linebacker in college football and he, he played at Notre Dame. Right? Nobody would have questioned it because they've been like, Wow, this guy, yeah. He gets the unique selling proposition of Notre Dame. He understands it and he's using it. You know, he's using it pretty damn well right now. And he's doing it in seven months, right? Versus like you know, having to, you know, have been here for a while to, uh, you know, to, to, to figure that out. And that's what's exciting is that, again, he hasn't coached a single game yet, but he's checking boxes and, and he's, he's winning over hearts and minds right now. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, man. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's hard to uh, kind of not want to jump the gun on him. It's wow. just, there's just, it's hard to not want to jump the gun on season, you know, predictions at this point. Right. Now. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. what do we talk? Our first podcast, I was at like, well, it's a 
A lot of change. Maybe, maybe <laughs> nine, nine and three. Maybe nine and three. I don't know. I guess, you know, new offensive line, new all of these things. It's a lot of change. Now I'm like, God, man, like there's no reason to be worse than 11 and one, right? Because, you know, because of what what's there. And it was actually funny. I was creating, I, I, I created the 2021 schedule for the site the other day, which is embarrassing that I didn't have it up sooner. But um, I did that the other day. And as, I was thinking about our podcast as I was making it. And I was like, what the hell was I thinking? Um, I'm looking at it and I'm like, I mean, if there weren't the questions that we do have about this squad that, that still need to be settled in fall camp. It, it, this would be like a 12 and 0 schedule. Like it, yeah. it's it is built for Notre Dame to run the table. Uh, I'm not saying that they're going to because I do understand new quarterback, again the new offensive line for the most part. You know, four new starters, all of that. But man, it is even the construction of it. It's like the opponents aren't that hard. I don't care. People are trying to make out October to be like, you know, uh, your murderer's row right now. And I'm like, it's really, it's not. It's not as hard as people want to make it out to be, uh, you know, to, to, to be right now. So, man, the, it's it's there again for Notre Dame, you know, to make a run. Um, I mean, again, I'm loading it up right now. Like, people want to make, uh, make it that, okay, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Virginia Tech, USC, North Carolina. It, it's, oh, again, you say those and it sounds like, whoa, that's terrible. But Wisconsin's at Soldier Field in Chicago. Cincinnati is at Notre Dame Stadium. Virginia Tech is in Blacksburg, where just a couple years ago, Notre Dame went down and won handily. USC is a program that great on talent, short on coaching, and it's at Notre Dame Stadium. North Carolina, again, a team that was supposed to be you know, pretty good last year. Notre Dame went down to North Carolina last year. And without Kyle Hamilton in the second half, they shut down that explosive, you know, that, that, that explosive offense. And that was on the road. Now I get them at home. So, and you get two weeks to prepare for USC. Reputation of those teams sounds, you know, sounds tough. But I, I look at this and I, I say, I mean, they're, they're, that's where you, you, you would say is the chance for a slip up, you know, for, you know, for, the, for a team that's got some, some questions and, and some holes to fill. But it's really not that tough. It's not in the in the pantheon of Notre Dame schedules. Other years, we look at this schedule and we say, "This is easy, right?" There's no Ohio State's yeah. on the schedule. There's no Clemson's on this schedule. No, There's no benchmark game. No, I mean Wisconsin is your high water mark, right? Yeah. I mean, I depending on how things shuffle, you know, again maybe you know, North Carolina goes on a little bit of a run early in the year and maybe their ratings infl- inflated by the time they play Notre Dame. But like, other than that, this is a schedule, this is a schedule built for a normal sound Notre Dame team to run through. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see, you know, but, um, I guess we've, we've rambled for about an hour now. Um, Went on some good tangents, had some good conversations here about our defense. We even brought up some, you know, late '90s defensive, uh, uh, you know, your memories. What kind of uh, what kind of parting shots do you got uh, this week, Greg? Or, or anything else on that Freeman interview too that you wanted to bring up that we haven't talked about yet? No, I, I think we touched on everything. And I think, uh, as far as you know, the the offensive guys, um, I think we should be finding out about C.J. Williams this summer. Um, Hopefully we we get some some word about what Billy Shrouth's doing the Phantom, um, and then uh, you know Tobias Merriweather. Let's see where that goes. So I, you know the defense is on a big uh, big run right now recruiting wise, but uh, the offense is they they've got a chance to have, to bring in some quality quality top one hundred players. Oh yeah, the offense is the. I think you know, the defense is getting the attention because it's got the numbers right now. But, I mean, offense has a chance to close really strong. Um, and indicators are. It's good possibility. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, folks, we this might be our shortest podcast, but we've been trying to keep them around an hour. So that's good. Um, you know, we're, we're just over, just, o- just over an hour. So we thank you for spending some time with us again. Um, if you're not uh, if you're not subscribed already, subscribe to us. You know wherever you're you listen to your podcast, whether it be Apple or Spotify, 
Google Podcasts, any of those services. We should be on them all. If we're not, let us know. We'll we'll submit our feeds there so that uh, we make it easy for you. Leave us some reviews. We love to see the reviews coming in. Last I checked, we still had a perfect 5.0 rating with eight uh, eight ratings on uh, on Apple Podcasts. So we love to see uh, we love to see that. But keep listening. Give us the feedback. We're going to keep improving upon these. And, uh, and we appreciate you guys taking an hour out of your weeks to, uh, to spend with us. And with that, I think we will, uh, we'll sign off. And hopefully by the next time we chat with you all, we got some more good recruiting news to talk about. And we will be even closer to the start of fall camp where we can actually start to dive into, you know, how Notre Dame's going to answer those questions that I just uh, alluded to a few minutes ago. So thanks a lot, everybody. And we will talk to you soon.